Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have an amazing guest in Mr. Ken Corbin. Ken has a long long and successful career in the manufactured housing industry. As president of his own company, there were more homes sold at Ken's address than any other address anywhere in the United States. I love that. That record still stands today. Today, Ken travels throughout North America and has spoken to over 1,500 organizations, including over 800 mobile home communities, uh, retailers, manufacturers, and associations in the manufactured housing industry. His community management and consulting firm focuses on helping owners sell more homes, fill more spaces, spend less, and maintain better margins. Well, who doesn't like that? Ken Corbin is the author of eight books on sales growth, personal and business management, his newest audiobooks, Growing Your Business and Selling the American Dream of Home Ownership, are each 10 hours in length. Ken has his MBA from the University of Michigan, Go Blue, and is an advisory consultant to the American Graduate School of International Management. Ken, thank you so much for coming on the show. Andrew, it is my pleasure. I, I truly look forward to, to working with you and and helping any way I can to to your group of loyal and wonderful listeners. Awesome. Uh, well, Ken, would you mind starting out by telling us your background and, and sure. what got you in manufactured housing? Well, this is my 40th year in the industry. And actually, I started out with a group that was based in Southern California. It was a tremendous job for a single guy. <laughs> because based in California, they had communities in, in Arizona, then over to Texas, to the Atlanta area, and then finally down in Florida. And what they were looking for was someone to come in and help them to fill their spaces. Because as we know, in, in the mobile home park space, we want filled spaces. And their concept was they did not want to lease homes. What they were looking for is owner-occupied homes, because from their perspective, it would add more intrinsic value. So like I said, it was a terrific job and started in California working with them. And as we built teams and then worked our way uh, over to Arizona, then on to Dallas, uh, Atlanta, and then spent quite a bit of time in Florida, uh, down in the Pinellas Park area. Tampa, St. Pete area working. And it was it was tremendous. From there, I was uh, recruited by uh, a company called Oakwood Homes. And in the oh, late 70s, actually the early to mid 80s, they were the largest retailer of manufactured homes in the United States. Oh, wow. And their primary focus uh, was the Southeast and everything west of the Mississippi River. And so I took over all of their operations west of the Mississippi. It was structured and based out of Dallas. And then uh, from there, they were acquired by Clayton. And wow. of course, Clayton in, in our industry is pretty much the behemoth. Yeah. Uh, owned by Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway. And what they've been able to do is to build a, a tremendous portfolio 
of, of at one time communities. And most people do not know that they were one of the big players in communities. And eventually they sold off their portfolio. But then I, I was uh, I ran all their operations. In fact, uh, a retail end in the southeast, about 130 locations and then ended up buying my own company. I uh, found uh, a group of people uh, actually out of New York, a couple young guys. And what they wanted to do is build a super company. And they wanted to do it on a private basis. So we found some private equity in New York, put the deal together, spent $30 million, and started acquiring all these great companies. But unfortunately, the crash hit. And uh, when the crash hit, it affected a lot of people, not only on the retail end, but of course, in, in the community end. And, and most people don't realize this, Andrew, but when that crash hit, uh, over a period of 11 years, there were 10,000 companies throughout the manufactured housing industry, retailers, communities, manufacturers, lenders, suppliers, and so forth, that ended up either putting the key in the lock and, and closing it permanently, uh, being acquired or filing bankruptcy. There was an 87% drop in shipments from, wow. uh, I think it was in two, 1998, there was 375,000 homes delivered. That's a lot of houses. Yeah. In 2009, we went to less than 50,000. So um, acquired the company. It was really great. Uh, bought it during the, the down, downturn. And then ended, ended up selling it to one of the key manufacturers. And then I had a lot of people calling me. And they said, Ken Corbin, you've done this and this in the industry. Would you start working with us in, in helping to uh, increase our portfolios, per, increase our, our occupancy rate, um, and then started working with a number of the associations? So I've been very fortunate to, to work across pretty much every state. Uh, from California to Florida, uh, many of my clients are uh, large community owners, uh, syndicates, uh, portfolios, some individual ownership groups, for the most part, working with manufacturers and community owners who are wanting to, in other words, decrease um, their vacancy, increase occupancy, find better systems to operate, and, and so forth. So that's pretty much a a shortened Reader's Digest version of what I've been doing the last 40 years. Yeah, I, I mean, you've touched on several different parts of the business. So I'd like to dissect that a little bit and maybe start with the infill, because I think that is like one of the major things that you do. And a lot of our listeners, you know, love the value add, right? I mean, as passive investors, you know, we love the value add opportunities because, you know, of the juicy returns that, that they can produce. So within the infill process, which is from several other guests we've had on the show, uh, you know, they've confirmed uh, my thoughts that the infill process is, is one of the more labor intensive processes uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, value add in mobile home communities. So can you tell us, you know, the nuts and bolts, you know, are sure. you infilling used homes, new homes, a mixture of both? And then maybe you can elaborate on the, the you know, the intricacies, right? You know, the, yeah. the, there's not just one contractor. You've you're got transporters, installers, you know, footings, site prep. Maybe you can just elaborate on that uh, so we can understand it a little bit better. 
let me start off by what I, what I promote, what I teach, and what I work with are what I call the three Ps. And those three Ps include people, promotion, and process. So when I go to, let's say, a community, Andrew, and I'm talking to a manager, and or if they have a salesperson because maybe they have a huge vacancy, and I'll say, okay, of those three, the promotion, people, and process, what is the most important thing? And, and, and without a doubt, that they all say promotion. We want to spend more money advertising to get people to come in. Uh, and, and they, you know, go on and on and on about the process. They never mention, or the, the, pardon me, the promotion. They never mention the people. They never mention the process. Yet when I talk to an owner or an investor and I say, okay, guys, of those three, what are the most important? And it's always process because you and I know that really people don't run companies. Systems run companies. And I know you and I have talked in the past and you were a guest on my program and you're really big on a process. There's a systematic way that you're going to operate each and every one of your communities on a basic. Of course, there's little things that you're going to do to tweak, but from, from the basics, the process has got to be in place. And once you have that process in place, it's much easier to plug in people. Promotion is actually third. And I can even talk about more. I can talk about product. I can talk about pricing. But the process is where it starts. So um, I do a mixture of both new and pre-owned. And depending on the market and depending on the state, it will dictate what I'm going to focus on. Many states, as an example, are very um, stringent on their restrictions, regulations, laws, however you want to put it, regarding the placement of a pre-owned home. In other words, if you're going to purchase a, a, a used home from, from John and Mary Smith out on a farm and you want to bring it to your community, in many states, it's going to be highly restrictive from the standpoint of inspections, not only when you bring it in, but they're going to do a thorough of all the mechanicals, electrical, heating, and plumbing. They're going to double check footers. They're going to make it even more stringent than it would be on a new home because chances are you don't have a footer diagram, as an example, to know how that home's going to go in. So if I can get quality used homes or pre-owned homes, that's always my preference. And I'm going to focus a lot of my marketing, and I know you do as well, and I, and I strongly recommend our listeners to do this as well. Focus on buying good homes with good bones. I call it the bones. In other words, what's, what's the basics like? What are the walls like? Uh, what's the mechanicals like? The electrical, heating, and plumbing. What's the roof like? I mean, the less that we have to put into a home and the faster we're going to turn it, you and I and our listeners all know that the, the, the more money we're going to make and our investment in that home, is it going to have to sit and sit and sit? So look for good bones. I am not a fan of metal roofs. Um, I, I frequently tell people there's two types of metal roofs, those that leak and those that are going to leak. <laughs> and so, 
And so I, I, I'm not a fan. Now there's, again, there's always exceptions to everything, but when you're moving a home that has a metal roof, if it doesn't have a leak now, chances are you're going to have one probably within a year, maybe even sooner. In fact, probably likely more sooner. So be careful on buying a home. If you're going to have to move it with a metal roof, if it's already in your community, and it's got good bones, and it's not an eyesore. And if it's maybe weak in a few areas and you can improve on it, terrific. Go ahead and improve on it. Uh, but if you can see, even if you're going to make $10,000, but it's not going to look good. In other words, you can't shine a turd. Let's, let's be honest, you can't shine a turd. So, But if you're going to make a lot of money on it, it doesn't make any difference. You're not going to have happy residents around you because what all we're, we're always trying to do is it increase the value of not only our homes and our community, but we want to increase the value of all of our residents' homes. Because as their value increases, they're going to become, without a doubt, our best source for referrals, which is a whole other program. <laughs> contractors, you mentioned contractors. Absolutely, without a doubt, the most important key element if you're going to get into the home sale business, and that's not only used, but pre-owned, because are pre-owned, but used and new. But when you're talking about the new homes, the installation of a home is really essential to make sure that the footers are the proper depth for the loads on at that home. So if you're buying new homes, you're going to get from that manufacturer a footer diagram, and they're going to tell you how many pounds, as an example, per square inch each one of those footers are going to have to carry, and they're not going to be the same weight. In other words, if you get into areas around, let's say, the kitchen, the footers in that kitchen area are going to have to carry more load because that's where your heavy appliances are, where your cabinetry and all that are. And generally, your utility areas are near the kitchen. So, you know, your washer and dryer, your furnace, your water heater, all those loads have a dramatic effect. So um, be very, very careful. If you're going to get into the pre-owned and renovation business, it is a huge moneymaker. Start small, work in your area to find good quality contractors that you know you can trust. Where do you find them? I recommend going down to the local big box store. Go into Home Depot, go into Lowe's, go to the contractor desk and ask them, who are the guys that are in here frequently that yeah. you've heard about that are doing a good job? And they'll tell you. So go to the contractor desk, ask them, become part of your association. The associations are absolutely incredible on value-added education. Um, as an example, Texas, uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama. I do their continuing education. Uh, and I'm leaving next week. I'll be in Louisiana and Alabama doing all the continuing education, not only for sales, but for community owners and, and for developers and contractors so we know what we're doing. So the key is find good contractors, then find your used homes. If you've not been in it before, start small. Work your way up. If you're going, if you're going to be purchasing new homes, make sure because the new homes are much heavier. Make sure that your loads on your footers and all that are in good shape. Make sure you have 
good electrical contractors. The liability, as an example, and, and you know this, the liability that we take on as a community owner, when we're installing a home and a family's going to live in that, and heaven forbid, Andrew, that something happens to that home, oh my God, you can just imagine what we could go through. So that's just kind of a Reader's Digest version of what I thought about. Totally, totally. And I appreciate that. And most of our listeners aren't, you know, actively, you know, installing homes and, sure. and things like that. Uh, but one thing that I think would be valuable is you mentioned your process, you, mm -hmm. you know, people process and promotion. Right. You know, would you mind sharing a little bit about that with us just from a real high level, you know, because when we're infilling in communities, it's, it's a time consuming process. So maybe you can shed some light on you know, expected uh, expenses, like all-in costs to fill a lot with a, a new home compared to a, a vacant, uh, a new home versus a, a used home. And then maybe, you know, if we're going to develop a lot, you know, how much would that cost to develop a new lot? Just so we have like a baseline knowledge of, of what those would cost and then have some more insights into what you mentioned about your, your three Ps. Okay, well, let's talk about um, the difference in development of lots. Um, if you have a, a, a space, let's just say the space in a community that already has some basic footers and maybe you have uh, uh, the basic footers, in other words, the little round holes that are going down. Some of them will have strips going down the length of the home. Some other words, and then some of them will have cross strips. Some of them will have going around the perimeter and then some holes in the middle, different types of foundations. Typically Con what you're going to talking, right? Like site prep, concrete. Yes, exactly. What you're concrete. Put the home on. Yeah, on exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and in rare cases, you'll have a complete concrete pad. And those are wonderful to have. Because in, in many cases, you'll just have to add some extensions onto it, not a full pad, but maybe some strips or some holes that you dig the footers and pour the concrete. But typically, we're going to be talking uh, single section homes. In other words, single wides, the term that typically is used in our business. And again, depending on the state and depending on the rules and regulations that someone will be, they'll be working with. I typically tell a community owner to anticipate around $7,500 to $9,000 all in. Now, that's not just the installation of the home, but that's the, the tie down of the home. That's all the utility connections, electrical, heating, plumbing. And in some, if you're in the Midwest, you're going to be doing a lot of gas. In the Northeast, you're going to be doing a lot of gas. Um, that's also going to then include the underpinning or the skirting going around the home. It will also include strongly recommend doing small decks, small decks, both on the front or a little bit larger on the front, obviously, and then a small deck on the rear. Put on handrails, quality handrails. Many states are going to automatically require it. Many municipalities, townships, cities will automatically require it. But re even if it doesn't, put it on. Then you're going to want to put some basic landscaping in. You want to make the home look good. If you're ordering new homes, one of the things that I strongly recommend is on the front of the home where there's a window, 
If you're going to be ordering the home from scratch, two things. Number one, order a small bay window so it kind of bows out and then order what we call coach lights. In other words, front lights on each side of the window facing the road and then keep those lights on at night when the home is being shown or is available for purchase because you have a lot of our people obviously driving through the community at night. The final thing that I recommend if you're going to be displaying a home is when you put that deck onto the front porch, you also want to run a breaker switch from the box inside the home out to where that deck is. So when you come up to the home to show the home, hit one little switch and just the interior lights come on. Just the interior lights come on. That's a separate switch from the two lights on the outside because you want to keep those on at night. When you go in, you have the lights on automatically because we know the importance of having a home when I call ham and egg ready or having it properly staged. Sure. So you turn that little switch, the interior lights come on, we go in, we show the home, we leave with Mr. and Mrs. Thompson, we go out, close the door, hit that switch, all the lights come off. Yeah. Speaking of staging, uh, if any of our listeners haven't been to a manufactured home show, the two biggest shows in the nation are the uh, annual Louisville show, which is in Louisville, Kentucky, and that's held every January. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen this year. Uh, That is a huge show. It's driven really high by community owners and community investors. And as you visit that show, you're going to see probably 50 to 75 brand new homes. Every one of those homes are staged nicely. So when you as an investor or as an owner of a community are walking in, you're going to see how that home should look for your potential customer or resident. Unfortunately, what I see is they see these beautiful homes. They buy the home, they bring it in. There's no furniture in it. There's no lighting on, right? It's sitting on a space with some cheap steps up to it. (laughs) And and we're expected to go in and sell that home to someone. And we bought it based on what we saw. We had what I call the awe factor. Is awe, isn't this beautiful? And now our potential residents are going in. This is the reason why park owners and investors and managers give away houses. You don't have to give them away. The typical retailer is making a 22% pre-tax profit on the sale of their homes. That's before commissions. After commissions, they figure about 2% of the gross sales. They're making 20% pre-tax profit on the sale of a home. So you take a $50,000 home, they're making 10 grand after all expenses. And I see community owners all day giving away a house for nothing, for absolutely nothing, just to get a, a space filled. You don't have to do that. Because what they're buying is they're not just buying that home, they're buying the lifestyle. So going back to the people, the process, the promotion, Um, What I typically see is on a community end, 
we're not selling the lifestyle. We're not talking about when they come in, let's talk about, you know, where your kids go to school. Let's talk about the school systems in our area. Uh, what kind of shopping do you like to do? I love to go to Walmart or I love to go to a Meyer store in the Midwest or I like to go to the malls. Let me tell you the malls that we have in our area. You know, and again, not only the schools, let me tell you about the churches that we have in our area. Let me tell you about some of the activities um, that we have in our area. Recreation, golf, fishing, hunting, you know, hunting, fishing. What do we, we can't, uh, we can't describe our, our home buyer any better than some guy who gets up in the morning, goes out fishing, comes home, hunts a little bit, comes home that afternoon and watches NASCAR, right? That's our home buyer. Yeah. And then the wife is out shopping at Walmart. So if you want to see our buyer, go get a lawn chair, sit in front of a Walmart store and watch them coming in and out. So we've got to sell the lifestyle. Tell me, tell me this, Ken, a typical operator, you know, what, obviously this is market specific, but, you know, tell me from your experience across the, you know, the U.S., you know, what is the, the typical infill rate? You know, how many homes a month on average, should a typical you know operator expect to occupy? Okay, good question. Um, if you're just an average operator, you should, if you have models on display, you should have what I call a net increase of one per month. That's a net increase of one per month. In other words, if you lose two and you gain three, you have a net increase of one. If you really want to promote it and do it properly, you can get a net increase realistically of two to five. Wow. Up to two to five. You can actually have a net increase of 60 units in one year if you want to aggressively go after that. Now, that would typically be for a community owner, Andrew, that is walking into, and, and I've, I've worked with these, that maybe buy a 200-space park and 120 vacancies. Wow. You know, then we're going to put together a team because we want to fill that up as quickly as possible. And I don't have to tell you, if you go from uh, 80 occupied out of 120, and if you can take that up to 150, we know what the intrinsic value is going to do. Oh, totally. That, yeah, oh, that it's, would, it's incredible. Talk about value add. That's huge. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. How and long? If, if, the, if the vast majority of those are owner occupied, that's even better yet. Even better yet, totally. Even better yet. So, how, if go ahead. Sorry, I was wondering how long should a home sit when it when it's for sale on average? How long should it be up for sale? No longer than sixty days. Sixty days. Okay. From the time it's finished, and that goes back to timing. Um, you know, in 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 the winter months when we're recording this right now, we're in first um, of December. And it's, it's chilly. I'm in right now, I'm in Northern Georgia and they're supposed to have snow this weekend in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. I was talking to a client this morning. They're anticipating upwards of five to seven inches of snow over the next couple of days. So we know sometimes it's going to take a little bit longer, but from once the time the home is done until the time the home is sold, it should never exceed more than 60 days. If it does, You've got a few things that are wrong. It could be the wrong home. It could be the wrong price. Okay. Uh, it could be that it's not staged properly. So the first thing that I look at is staging. 
I might take a home and, and just move around the furniture in a home just to make it look a little bit different. Um, sometimes, believe it or not, the pricing is too low. There's not enough value added. And when I talk about value, the one thing that I preach to people that have communities is one sentence. And that sentence is very simple. It says that value is always more expensive than price. <laughs> value is always more expensive than price. And that value is not only the home, but once again, going back to the community. We have to talk about the value of the community because, again, they're buying a lifestyle. So totally. to answer your question, 60 days, sooner the better. If it goes past 60 days or it's getting close, you need to really take a hard look at it. Sometimes you do need to homes? do a price reduction. Yeah, We're going to make mistakes. I've made tons of mistakes on buying homes. And if I make a bad mistake, and now if I'm at 90 days and I've done everything, yes, at that point in time, get rid of the home. Sell it for cost. Don't sell it for invoice. Sell it for cost. You're all in cost. Because we it's taking up too much shelf space. It's taking up too much of our capital. Blow it out. We made a mistake. Bring something in new. And to do that, what you do is you talk to your manufacturers and get their top, what we call RSOs. RSO stands for Retailed Sold Orders. We want to ask that manufacturer, what are the models that are RSOs that are selling the most in communities, not to retail customers going out on a private piece of property? They'll have that data. They'll help you with that, and you'll make better decisions. That's a great tip. Thank you for sharing that with us, Ken. No problem. Um, for passive investors, you know, what are your top pieces of, pieces of advice uh, that they should know about the mobile home park space? Start small. If you're, if you're just getting into it right now for the first time, first two or three, start very, very small. I do recommend, if at all possible, um, getting into a syndicate. Uh, getting into a group. Don't try to do it on your own first time around. Learn the ropes. Uh, then as you become a little bit better and get close, get close to home. You want to spend as much time as you possibly can. I know, Andrew, when you buy a community, what do you do with your team? We move in. We, we, we get very close to that community. Exactly. You and I've talked about this before. And I can tell all your listeners, guys, listen to what Andrew just said. He is so good on this stuff. Get close. Get right in with your communities. Uh, he will actually take some of his team and they'll move into the property and they'll be there for months on end uh, because he's going to be making some changes. He's going to have to be answering a lot of questions. So get in close. Buy close if you possibly can geographically so you can be there. Spend the time. Foot on the ground. Walk the community. Uh, don't drive through it. Your final, your final walkthrough is a walkthrough. You're going to walk every part of that community. You're going to learn every grade of grass that's in there, every blade of grass, I'm sorry. You're going to want to know every crack in the sidewalks in the street. You're going to want to know about where those leaks are and what you can do. It's, it's so totally. important to walk it. For I operators, I couldn't agree more, you know, that want to be 
that want to own their own communities. Uh-huh. For those that want to invest in a syndicate, like you said, yeah. you know, would, would there be any different advice that you would give them a, you know, before they make an, an, a passive investment as like a limited partner uh, at all? Well, if it's from a syndicate standpoint, there's a lot of good ones out there. Uh, unfortunately, there's, a, there's probably more really, not really bad ones, but bad ones than they are really, really good ones. So I would recommend uh, having call someone like Andrew an Andrew Keel. <laughs> talk to Andrew. Talk about what you've done with, with the very, because you've done a remarkable job in, in less than 10 years, and actually a shorter period of that, than, than putting together teams. But look, look at the various syndicates, talk to the operators, look at their returns, look at their numbers, look geographically where they focus. Um, there's one group that I work of that's based, work with that's based out of California. And even though they're based out of California, all of their properties are in the upper Midwest. <laughs> they have found that little niche of that area. And the reason they do it they use the spoken hub concept. So they'll find one here and then they'll work their way out. So they maybe they started, let's say in, in Ohio, then they can work their way over to Indiana. They can work their way, you know, down into Kentucky, up into Michigan, over to Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and so forth. Start close, study the, study the syndicates that you're going to be talking to. Um, Walk the communities, even if you're a passive investor, go to that community, walk it, talk to the residents. You know, just talk about, I'm thinking about moving here. They don't know that you're not going to think about moving here. And then you'll find, people will tell you a lot. As you're driving (laughs) through, just stop and say, you know, I'm thinking about this place. Tell me what it's like to live here. Yeah. They'll tell you, they'll, they'll spill their guts, good and bad. I do that on due diligence and I have some amazing stories. I have some amazing stories from that exact situation. I, one instant came to my mind when I did that in a park in Edwardsville, Illinois. Uh And I said, Hey, you know, thinking about moving in here, what do you think about this place? And he, we ended up having like a two hour conversation. Uh, But come to find out his water pressure was low when he would take a shower. So that, out of that two-hour conversation, I said, okay, maybe this is happening in other parts around the park. And I did find out that there was a water pressure problem. So, you know, things like that uh, are valuable information. I agree with Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, as you, as you, as you go into a syndicate or you get into a group, um, you're, go- you're going to learn an awful lot. And then eventually you're going to want to go out on your own. But when you do your first one, once again, get close. Absolutely get close if you're going to do your first one. And then work, work your way out from there. Use the, the hub and spoke concept. Uh, there's a lot of money out there right now, as you know. There's a yeah. lot of money out there. But they're not going to give this money to someone who doesn't have a real good background. And it doesn't necessarily have to be just in the mobile home park space. I mean, if you've been in apartments, if you've done a really, really good job, storage facilities, a lot of people are in that space, you know, uh, just single family residences, you know, use use that experience because if you've been in single family, and I believe you were at one time, if I'm not mistaken. I was. I mean, that's a real headache, single family (laughs) compared to the mobile home park space. Yeah, I mean, you've got one over here and you've got one, you know, five miles down the road. I'd rather have a hundred of them 
that I could walk around today. Yeah, in the same one spot, right? In one spot, yeah. So that's some of my thoughts on it. Awesome. Well, Ken, thank you so much for coming on the show and adding value to our listeners. Uh, If any of our listeners want to get a hold of you, what Uh would be the best way for them to do that? Well, a couple things. Let me mention a few things. Um, I do my podcast, and you've been a great guest. It's called The Manufactured Home Show. And if you go to my website, it's callkencorbin, C-O-R-B-I-N, callkencorbin.com. And then in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see a little tab that says Manufactured Home Show. You can click on that tab, and you'll see this incredible interview that I did with this really smart guy by the name of Andrew Keel. <laughs> oh, geez. Thank you, Ken. In fact, we just, uh, we just finished, I will say, uh, a great interview with John Rich of Big and Rich. Oh, cool. You know, he does the uh, come into your city song before all the ESPN football games. He, he's doing a great job working on a community right outside of Nashville. And uh, we did a great interview with him. Uh, but they can call me. Um, my, my toll-free number is 888-823-4945. Or you can just email me. Go to my website, callkencorbin.com. Hit the contact you'll get a hold of me. Would love to talk to any of your listeners, anything I can do to help increase our industry, the space that you and I love that we're in. It would be my pleasure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ken. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And I look forward to coming back with you soon. Sounds great. All right. That's it for today. Please hit the subscribe button to get locked in to receive great episodes Uh, just like this one with Mr. Ken Corbin. To see Mobile Home Park value-add projects in progress? If so, follow us on Instagram, at PassiveMHPInvesting, for photos and awesome videos from our recent Mobile Home Park acquisitions. Once again, that's at PassiveMHPInvesting on Instagram. See you there.